Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. I want to turn to Matthew 6. I hit on something Sunday morning I wish to continue with a little bit tonight. And for you that were in classes Sunday morning, that's all right. This isn't going to, uh, you know, make it or break it because you weren't here Sunday morning in this class. But uh, about five years ago, I touched on this subject matter, and uh, I felt like over the weekend that I needed to touch on it again. And so I'm just going to touch on it again tonight. I really didn't anticipate uh, to just continue, but I felt today that maybe I needed to continue just a little further in this. And our subject matter tonight is forgiveness. You know, there are certain cardinal things in Scripture that you need to just touch on over and over. There is. Prayer for a month, for one, you know, the month of May, Bible reading, fasting, some of these things, forgiveness. Some of these things are just something you got to touch on over and over again. We have a tendency probably, I, if, I, if I remembered half of what I've forgotten, I would be really good. Really would be. I, probably most of us would be. Or if we could just remember half of what went in these ears or through these eyes, uh, we would just really be doing well. But our tendency is to forget or at other times choose not to remember, and which are entirely two different things. But uh, forgiveness, Matthew 6 will be a springboard for us tonight. And I don't know how far we'll get, but we'll get as far as we need to go. Uh, Matthew 6, verse 14, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Amen. Let's pray again together, if you will. Lord Jesus, I come to you tonight. God, I'm grateful, Lord Jesus, for being here. God, we can always go, Lord, to your word. God, for a very sure and concrete, Lord Jesus, direction. God, answer. Lord Jesus for our lives it is Lord God by which we set ourselves I pray oh Lord tonight God help us Lord to digest this word take it into our hearts our minds our souls anoint my lips my mind father God as I would Lord Jesus speak this tonight God that we would just have a spirit of love and a spirit of mercy and grace and forgiveness God that would enter this house I pray in the lovely name of Jesus Christ Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. You may be seated this evening. It's not an easy subject to talk about. It's not an easy subject to hear. And life, for the most part, is very much the same for most people. Although we have certain margins of difference among us, at base in many respects we are very similar and uh, after some years of travel and being around different churches and different congregations I've come to realize how how true that really is Uh, from state to state from church to church people to people and they are in many instances just the same and all of us at different times are guilty of of infractions or having offended one another and uh Mishaps have taken place. Mistakes have taken place in our lives. They're a part of life. I think mistakes and mishaps are a part of life. 
Uh, we all have things in our life that we wish if we could just rewind time that we would do differently. Uh, we would approach differently. We could just recapture a moment and we had the ability just to reach backwards in order to do that. Uh, we would if we could speak words in a different manner or in a different tone or maybe not speak them at all. Uh, we would do that if, uh, if all means we could. And there are certain opportunities as a result of how we may have responded or not responded that we have forfeited because of some decisions that we've made. Uh, God knows that we have regrets. I would think that all of us would be able to stand and testify to the fact that we have regrets and that we have said wrong things or we have done wrong things. But God has a grand antidote for all of that. And it's called forgiveness. And as it would seem tonight, and I say this from the onset, that my objective is not to make anyone feel guilty, all right? That's not my objective uh, Sunday morning or uh, this evening, to make anyone feel guilty. But I would like to persuade us to take responsibility. Now, there is a difference between guilt, if you will, guilty and responsibility. Uh, many times, if you consider the idea of guilt, guilt is what you feel for what you've done. But whenever I think of the idea of responsibility, it is what you take because of the kind of person you are. All right? And so I'm not here to make you feel guilty, but I do want to challenge us to a place of responsibility. And as it would seem, we, we seem to want to uh, bend the rule book, if you will, of forgiveness. Either the giving of forgiveness or the receiving of forgiveness in order many times to offset our personal feelings about the whole situation. Amen. David took his offense to uh, the true level uh, in his sin with Bathsheba that was an offense to her. It was offense to her husband Uriah. It was offense to the nation of Israel. It was offense to David's children. And perhaps the list could go on how that episode offended or was an offense to different people However, in his uh, repenting psalm, Psalm 51, David says very plainly in that psalm, he says, against thee, thee only have I sinned. And he was speaking toward God. Now I want you to understand that David wasn't trying to eliminate the impact or the influence that his decision had on Bathsheba or Uriah or the nation of Israel, or anyone else for that matter, but in essence, he was owning them all. Whenever he said, against thee, thee only have I sinned, because Scripture tells us in Mark 25 and verse 40, Jesus is speaking, he says, inasmuch as ye done it unto the least of these, and he's speaking about strangers and prisoners and sick, he says, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. You've done it to the least, you've done it unto me. And so I don't believe David was removing the impact that he had on Bathsheba's life, but whenever he said, Lord, I've done this against you, he was summing up the idea that whenever I've done it to Bathsheba and Uriah and the nation of Israel, all these people, in essence, I have done it unto the Lord. Amen. See, whenever we look at people, whenever we have offenses, when we've been offended or we've been the offender, you know, we look at people and we see a certain disposition, we see a face, we see a, a name or a label, a character that is there. They have a name, the offended. But Jesus says, uh, what you need to see is me. Right. Right. So you, you see that you've been hurt by 
such and such and so and so. And you, the name and the label is there, but what you need to see is me. Because if you've done it unto the least of them, you've done it unto me. David said in Psalms 130, this is really sobering if you think about it. The Bible says in Psalms 130, it's, just, it's one of those I kind of added in on you. Psalms 130 and verse number 3, the Bible says, If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. David says, If the Lord marked our iniquities, if he kept tallies, mm -hmm, if he was just like, there's one, there's two. There. If the Lord kept count of our iniquities, he said, who shall stand? And I, it's not a question, it's really a statement. Who shall, no one would. No one would stand before the Lord if the Lord kept count of iniquities and flaws. Amen. If he kept all those marks that we had, no one would be able to stand. And so what's the answer to all this? And he told us in verse 4 then, but there is forgiveness. There is forgiveness. Forgiveness that is given and forgiveness that is received is the answer to all of this. The Bible states in Ephesians 4.32, uh, it's speaking there of the scripture. It's using the terminology about forgiving or forgave. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. The word translated forgiving or forgave is actually taken from a Greek word that means be gracious. Be gracious. So is not grace, normally when we, we define grace, grace is giving someone what they do not deserve. And if in the scripture forgiving and forgave is that idea of being gracious, then that is forgiveness in essence. You give unto somebody whenever you forgive them, you give them something that they do not deserve. Yet we're so quick sometimes to spout in, in, in reply to having give forgiveness or offer forgiveness is that they don't deserve to be forgiven. Well, duh. That is what forgiveness is all about. Giving them something they don't deserve. Amen. So if the prerequisite for forgiveness was being deserving of it, we'd all be in an awful bad spot. Amen. Forgiveness, to go a little further, it's not a feeling. Forgiveness isn't a feeling. Forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is a decision. So I don't feel like forgiving. It's not about how you feel. It's about a conscious choice. A conscious decision that you're going to forgive somebody amen the bible or if we look at the uh, at the word of the lord you know we 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 look at different things and we've we on sunday morning we considered a few of the things that we've considered before about only truly those who have been forgiven can truly be the forgivers and we have all have been forgiven and I'm not talking about between you and me and somebody else but we've all been forgiven by God and therefore uh, we have been enabled with a capacity then to be forgivers because uh, you know a lot of times people listen to me people forgive directly proportional to how much they treasure or accept or even value that they've been forgiven 
Amen. There's almost a, a direct proportionality that, that happens there. But what we deal with a lot when we understand and consider the idea of forgiveness is this thing called, as I said, the feeling of guilt. Very powerful force to be reckoned with, guilt is. It can be very debilitating uh, to your relationship with people, to your relationship with God. And it may result sometimes from unrealistic expectations of us or even for us for the matter of others. Amen. But whenever, if we would just really push all the exteriors aside, all the fodder, all the filler, if you will, aside, I would believe in life for the most part, we would come to this very same conclusion that for the most part, people feel guilty because they're guilty. I know that's profound. And don't be looking up the Greek and Hebrew on that. But people feel guilty for the most part because they are guilty. I mentioned this about five years ago that uh, many years ago there was a prominent playwright in London, England. They set out, uh, sent out a, an anonymous joke uh, to 20 of London's leading citizens. And they spoke to them and said, all has been fouled out, leave the city at once. And all 20 people left. <laughs> it was just a joke. But that just goes to show that everyone has some type of skeleton in their closet. Amen. I did some ponderings over the past few days of that note, and I don't have this down for you, Sister McGee, but I'll go there, and I wish you to turn there with me. It probably won't become on the screen unless you can get there. Hebrews 12 and verse number 1. Hebrews 12 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Everybody say the sin which doth so easily beset us. Didn't say a it said thee. And I believe the sin that besets you may not be the sin that besets me. There's something else we must realize about the sin that besets us. We, uh, you can accept this all you want to. I got the word of God founded and stand upon. Everybody has a besetting sin. I don't care who you are. Pastor, Pope, whatever. Everybody has a besetting sin. But they all differ. They're not the, all the same. Some besetting sins are private. Some besetting sins are public. Something I think that would help us all in mercy and grace with each other, that if there's somebody that seems to have a certain way of being a consistent offender in a certain respect, you may need to consider that that could be their besetting sin. Because sometimes we have the idea, well, they just need to get over that and get through that. But that may be their besetting sin. And although on, on the surface it may be a public form for them, yours may be private. Maybe nobody else knows about it, but you and God know about it. So you need to offer the same forgiveness, the same grace, the same mercy to them in what may be, very well be their besetting sin as you would want extended to you for your besetting sin amen so everybody has some type of you know skeleton in their closet and, and man unresolved guilt man it's going to affect you it's going to affect your life it's going to affect you emotionally 
It's going to affect you spiritually. Amen. Uh, sometimes carrying that around, you're going to avoid uh, the people that supposedly have wronged you. It'll separate you in your relationship. Amen. Sometimes we feel guilty concerning our sin or our sins that we have committed. The Bible says in Isaiah 59 and 2, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear you. If I may read that from the New Living Translation, it says, but there is a problem. Your sins have cut you off from God. Because your sin, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. If I read it, I'll just go on and read out the message Bible. It says, look, listen, God's arm is not amputated. He can still save. God's ears are not stopped up. He can still hear. There's nothing wrong with God. The wrong is in you. Your wrong-headed lives cause the split between you and God. Your sins got between you so that he does not hear. Amen. That's what sin does. That's what problems, that's what offenses in general. That's what offenses in general do. They separate us from each other. And so in order to maintain our faith, we got to maintain a good conscience, the Bible tells us. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 1 and verse 18, Paul admonishing Timothy, he says, this charge I commend to thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies when, which went before thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. He says, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. So we, we got to keep a good conscience in order to also maintain our faith. So there are scenes in our past that we wish no doubt that we could somehow erase, providing us with a guilty conscience, unresolved guilt, if you will. Back to the story of David with Bathsheba. Man, there was just a turning of events because of his immoral act. The murder of her husband, the baby that was born in the adulterous situation, a man ended up dying. David's son Ammon would later then rape his half-sister. David's son Absalom then would later kill Ammon and repeat his father's adultery on the rooftop in the public in front of all of Israel. He replayed the exact same uh, indecency, if you will, of his father. The sword, the Bible said, never departed from the house of David. It was one scheme after another after another because of this unresolved stuff that was in David's life that came between him and God. Add insult to injury. David, though, whenever he finally confessed his sin, it was whenever he was confronted by Nathan. And Nathan said that you are the man. And no doubt, until that time, David had been carrying around a lot of guilt, a lot of shame. But whenever David then opens up his Psalms in Psalm 51, his repentance psalm, he says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. David confessed his sin. And what's David asking for in essence here? Forgiveness. He's asking for forgiveness. What does God grant unto David? He grants him forgiveness. Now what I want to concentrate on this evening is that sometimes there's a breakdown between the giving forgiveness and the receiving of forgiveness. Let me make a few statements and we'll get to them in a little bit. All right? Someone does not have to ask forgiveness in order for you to give forgiveness. All right? 
You can give forgiveness without anybody asking. Amen. For that matter, you can give forgiveness even whenever the offender doesn't believe they even wronged you. You can give it. But whenever it comes to receiving forgiveness, the offender cannot receive forgiveness until they come to terms and admit that they indeed wronged you. God gave forgiveness through his work at Calvary. Forgiveness was given. But I didn't receive forgiveness until I testified with my lips that I was wrong. I had transgressed. And in the process of doing that, the forgiveness that was already given, I could receive as a result. Because how are you going to receive something that you say you're not in a position that you need? You understand what I'm saying? I mean, why do you need forgiveness if you didn't do anything wrong? So the only way you can for receive forgiveness is if you're in an admitting stage that, yeah, I did something wrong. Amen. And so whenever we see David here, he's able to receive forgiveness because he admitted that he had done something wrong. He was in a position that he needed that forgiveness so he could receive what was already given because he admitted that he was in need of that. David got tired, if you will, of walking around with that guilt and with that shame, amen, lowering over his head. And I, I imagine, man, David probably felt like a new man after that little encounter with Nathan. I'm sure of it. I mean, you, you, you know, you ever, you ever just carried it, you know, sometimes we go to the zoo uh, during the summer months and we take the kids and you got bags and everything else you know and it just has this and that in it and you put that bag on your shoulder and you're going through and you know what by the end of the day that bag man that seemed like nothing at the end of the day man it's really become something you're panting up hills and you got, you got beads of sweat coming on your forehead and at the end of the day when you put that thing down it's like wow you don't realize sometimes how heavy something is until you get rid of it Amen. There's some, you know, some of us got strapped on, you know, we got strapped on guilt and shame or we got strapped on all these offenses and unforgiveness and we're carrying all that around. Let me tell you something, you would just be surprised how much all of that weighs if you just release it. Amen. God absolutely forgives sinners. He forgives saints for their sins. Amen. The feeling of that guilt before we ever come to the Lord called conviction sent from God conviction has a way we've talked about this before but conviction has a way of drawing you close to God but that feeling of guilt that you get after you come to know the Lord that's called condemnation that comes from the enemy because condemnation pushes you away from God amen and the church should be all about conviction there will be things at times they'll preach from this pulpit you wish you wouldn't have brought your friend. But if the end result is that there's a spirit of conviction that draws them rather than push them, then you have no need of worry. Because conviction draws people, condemnation will push them away. Amen. Now, the bad news here is that here's the real true where the rubber meets the road. I know that this is surprising. But people are not like God. <laughs> Read 
Receiving forgiveness from God can happen without much difficulty. Sometimes receiving forgiveness from another individual can be quite a journey. Amen. So I want to talk to you just a little bit how to receive forgiveness from somebody else. In order to receive forgiveness from somebody else, you've got to determine if you actually need to ask forgiveness. And I said, well, you just opened up a huge license right there, Brother McGee. <laughs> Seek forgiveness from those you truly wronged. All right? Now, if you never acted on the impulse of your thought, those words just came in your head and never flew out your mouth, man, don't go and start asking forgiveness for something that was never made public between you and them. Because in doing so, you'll probably create an offense. Please, 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 please. I have known the stories. I've known the people. Well, we can't get too deep here. But to go to someone and say, I want you to forgive me because I had some ill thoughts about you and even begin to explain those very thoughts they had about that person. Now, do you know that person doesn't live in their head? Do you know they had no idea concerning those thoughts? And then you go and do that. You know what you just did? What you was trying to kind of sew up, you was feeling guilt from your thoughts. And you thought you could saddle it by telling them what their, your thoughts was, but in doing so, you created an offense. You created what you was trying to get out of. So, so don't, 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 don't go to somebody if it's just been a thought or something else that's happened in your head. That's between you and God. You want forgiveness? Go to God. Amen. Because more harm can be done to relationships sometimes by confessing something that they don't even know anything about. I mean, if you thought about robbing the bank last week and you didn't do it, there's no need to stand up testimony search tell everybody about how you thought about robbing that bank. That's between you and God. <laughs> Here it is. If your so-called confession would do more harm than good, then don't do it. Huh. Think there, day how brother so-and-so was just as ugly as could be. God, his mom has turned her head whenever he had him. You know, that's not in my best interest to go talk to that guy and tell him about that. <laughs> you understand what I'm talking about? You go and start doing that, and you're exposing him to some details and some hurt and everything else. Now, sacrificial, sacrificial love sometimes causes us to bear our own burden rather than having someone share the load with us. Bearing our own burden by ourselves. Number two, concerning how to receive forgiveness. And we stated this before, but folks, let me tell you, we're going to run this, we're going to run this track for the next years. Our circle of confession should be no larger than our circle of offense. Because whenever you drag everybody into it, again, then later, there's two or three that was probably really involved in the batter, that were really affected over it, that those are the ones that the confession need to be made to. Everybody now is reconciled in the core, but everybody on the perimeter of what's happening, they're having difficulty. They can't get over it. It wasn't a direct concern of theirs to begin with. For that matter, if it's not your concern, don't make it your concern. It's not always the fault that someone's made it their concern. It's sometimes the fault of people digging and wanting to be concerned about something that's not their concern. Stay out of it. Amen. Yes. If you're not part of the solution, you should stay out of it. 
carry a load that you don't need to carry. Anybody ever pack too much on a trip? My wife's motto was is, I'd rather have it, not need it, than need it, not have it. You know, there's been a lot of stuff we packed in a bag, put in the van, carried in the van, wasted more, more gas on because it weighted down the van, took it to the place we was going, never took it out of the suitcase, brought it back home, took it out, put it right back where it belonged. Didn't serve one purpose on that trip. Man, there's just some things if you don't need to carry, don't carry them. So the general rule, if you offended one, confess to one. If you offended two, confess to two. James says in James 5, 16, he says, confess your faults one to another. and Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's not one another and another and another and another. And another. In other words, go to that person or persons, whoever was offended. Don't drag every bystander into it. Let me tell you, this, this is great, folks. I'm telling you. You may have involved nobody in the conflict, but when it comes confession time, you confessed into the person you had a conflict with, and then you feel so good about the deed that you did, you tell somebody else about how you confessed to them and relieve the details. I made things right because I did such, such, so, so, and they had it, and you start relaying the story because you feel so good about what happened. That guess what you just did? Created another offense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Number three, we ought to sincerely ask for that person's forgiveness. If you want to receive forgiveness, it's nothing wrong with asking for that person's forgiveness. Amen. And there's a difference between offering an apology and asking for forgiveness. Apology usually is one-sided. You admit the guilt, you express your remorse, don't ask for anything in return. When you ask for forgiveness, you admit the guilt, you express the remorse, and you state then a need for forgiveness. And when you do that, you engage the person that you have wronged to do something. It engages two parties. David and speak to the Lord. He spoke to the Lord. He said, Lord, I need you to heal my broken bones. I need your involvement in this. Now, here it is. It is impossible to ask forgiveness and blame or give excuse at the same time. I wronged you, but... Ooh, 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 ooh. A bad plea for asking forgiveness. I wronged you, but what is that but about ready to say? Something about justifying about how you wronged or how your actions were. Boy, we might have to go on this for several more weeks because they used to say the quieter it was, the more you were right on. I don't know if there is any truth in that. If so, I was right on a lot in my evangelizing years. <laughs> <laughs> Specify the offense. Here we go. Brother, I just I just want you to if I've ever done anything wrong to you, Brother Mason, would you please forgive me? You know what that is? That's skirting the issue of not wanting to own it. That's a nice blanket. If I ever done anything wrong against you. You know what that's saying? That's meaning that I don't really have to own anything. It's just per chance, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. 
Well, glory. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> Bloody as nose, black as eye. Brother, if I ever done anything wrong to you, forgive me. You know what that does? That devalues the injury. That devalues the injury. We need to take responsibility. Remember the servant from Sunday morning, Matthew 18, 26. The servant therefore fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. He was saying, I owe you money. Didn't generalize it. Didn't leave some watery cloud there, a gray area. He got specific. Here's what I did. I lifted my voice at you. I said some bad things towards you. I had the wrong attitude. Uh-huh. I talked to you about somebody else. I made your business other people's business. Own it. Own it. Yes. Yes. Own it. Because then that's where the healing begins. Number four, how to receive forgiveness. Be prepared for a negative response. Some people, you can't turn off and on offense feelings that they have. That was a result of the event. You could just turn that on and off sometimes like water. That'd be great. You might already be over it, but they might not be over it yet. Amen. Just because you got the victory doesn't mean everybody else got the victory. Don't tell me that. Folks, I come in from a conference. Man, just be, wow, my God. Well, you wasn't there. You didn't experience what I experienced, and I'm wanting you to be there. I can't expect that. I got the victory, but you didn't. Same thing with our feelings. Sometimes it takes people longer. Sometimes their hurt went a little deeper than that. Amen. They may respond maybe with hesitation. Don't take that as that they're not offering it. It's just a difficult mode of life. Amen. Something as the offender we got to consider. They might even consider that maybe you're not feeling truly remorseful. Amen. They might feel even a little guilty themselves. They may expect a little restitution first. They may fear a repeated offense. We looked at all this before. And listen, they may not want to reestablish the relationship. And reestablishing the relationship doesn't have anything to do with forgiveness. That has to do with reconciliation. Two different things. You can have forgiveness and not be reconciled. Now, the optimum thing would be to be have forgiveness and be reconciled, but it doesn't always happen. Sometimes the relationship is never resolved. Never resolved. And here's one thing for sure. If you're wanting to receive forgiveness, you can't demand it. You can ask for it, but you cannot demand it. The Bible says in Acts 24 and verse 16, the apostle says, Herein do I, everybody say, Exercise! myself to always have always a conscience to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men I believe there is with great reason why the apostle used the word exercise when's the last time anybody started an exercise program got a new piece of equipment and you got ten others sitting in your basement why because exercise takes discipline. Paul says, it's not an easy thing for me to have a conscience void of offense toward God or man. i got to exercise myself. It takes discipline. 
with great effort and fortitude does it even get accomplished. It's not just going to happen. Someone say amen. amen. So speaking about how we receive forgiveness, just one other moment here. How do we give forgiveness to someone else? Again, I've incorporated this before, but I love it so much I use it again. He said years ago there was a man rushed to the hospital after contracting rabies from a dog bite. This was before there was a cure for that type of thing it had been discovered. He was going to die. He's laying there at the point of death. He asked the doctor for a pen and a piece of paper, and he began to jot down and writing names on this piece of paper. The doctor walked by as he was doing so, and he says, I'm glad uh, to see, sir, sir, that you're working on your will. The man said, no, I'm not working on my will. He says, this is the people I'm going to bite before I die. Amen. Amen. How to give forgiveness. Because we have our list too. Past the fences. There's a side in humanity that's very cruel and unforgiving and we want to see people pay. We want to see them suffer. And what that starts to cause in our life is something called vengeance. Vengeance, when it's arbored long enough, as I said Sunday morning, turns into bitterness. And let me tell you, bitterness, yeah, it can erupt to some very bad behavior, but what bitterness does more than anything is doesn't hurt the person that offended you it hurts you Hebrews 12 15 looking diligently Hebrews 12 15 looking diligently lest any man fail the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you thereby many may be defiled because bitterness is defiling it defiles everything it touches bitterness does so how can we tonight truly know we have forgiven our offender from our heart. How can we know that we truly forgave? Number one, true forgiveness resists unnecessary embarrassment. Consider, if you will, this evening the story of Joseph, the youngest at that time of the boys before Benjamin is born. The Bible speaks of his anointed, he's appointed, he's sold into slavery. If we can just do the story of Joseph in a nutshell, he was lied on by Potiphar's wife suffered an unjust imprisonment. He was forgotten by the butler. He rose to second in command. Then there was a famine that came on all of the land. And he went out of his way. Famine came on all of the land. And he went out of his way to protect his family from needless humiliation whenever they came to him wanting seed, wanting provision. As a matter of fact, the scripture, and I'll read it right now in, in Genesis 45 and 1, the Bible says, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, he said, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. He was in a position of power. Here's what Joseph could have done. He could have killed them instantly, or he could have not gave them food and allowed them to die slowly. But rather than doing any of that, of the injustice that was done to him, 
He had been offended. In spite of all that, he took them, he sent everybody else out of the room. Nobody else that was a part of the problem was in the room. And he sent everybody else outside the room and he didn't spread the offense of what they had done to him as a boy all through Egypt, even prior to them coming. It's not like he breathed one word of that to anybody that he fell in good rank with. But he kept that secret. He kept that confidential. And you knew then that he had given true forgiveness to his brothers because he wanted to keep them from embarrassment. Keep that off their record in the eyes of other individuals. You know, one of the greatest things that we could do for ourselves and for our brothers and sisters in Christ, listen to me well, I say this, because this is advice that I give young preachers, whoever would ever ask me. I said, don't you taint the image of somebody else in another's eye. Whenever they're totally oblivious and they don't know, they don't have the history on that individual, and you do, do not take that person's image in somebody else's eye. Just because, you know, they failed at that or they did that, that doesn't give me a right then. Brother Pat doesn't know any idea about it. Say, Brother Pat, you know what? They did this and I have no right to do that. If I truly offered them forgiveness back there, why would I want to now give that scenario an instance at a moment in time far removed from then if I wasn't still harboring something still in my heart? Amen. True forgiveness, number two, releases people of unhealthy sorrow. Unhealthy sorrow. The Bible speaks of godly sorrow. It also speaks of another sorrow. But firstly, 2 Corinthians 2, 7, the Bible says, so that contrarywise ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him lest perhaps such a one should look, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. That's nice Bible terminology for you. Overmuch sorrow. He says you need to forgive lest they be overtaken with overmuch sorrow. Now again, the Bible speaks of godly sorrow. Godly sorrow leads to change, all right? But unhealthy sorrow, it paralyzes a person, puts them in a forever tunnel of despair, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7.10, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Joseph, back to Joseph, but concerning his brothers, he released them from unhealthy sorrow. They, even of their own accord, brought up the idea of what they had done to their brother. They had carried that for all these years. You know what Joseph did? Well, I see you got that dagger in you. Let me twist it for you. You know. No. Not at all. It was obvious, folks, that Joseph, listen to me, it was obvious that Joseph had risen above his past. Listen to me. Because he allowed his brothers to arise beyond their past. It was evident that he had, per se, forgave because he was not going to hold that as an anvil above their head. He was going to allow them to continue on in life. If you constantly got to be dangling somebody over a fire of an offense, there's a good chance that you've probably not forgiven yourself yet. 
Genesis 45, verse 5, the Bible says, Now, therefore, be not greed. Look what he said to him. Be not greed, Joseph said, nor angry with yourselves that ye sowed me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. He said, guys, don't, 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 don't keep beating yourself up over this. Mm-hmm. Don't, 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 don't. Man, he could have stood there if he wanted to. I tell you what, if it hadn't been for you guys. Uh-huh. I've been in a prison for X number of years. I had my stoves stolen and lost coats more than times than I can count. Been lied on, been cheated, you know. If it hadn't been for you, that all stemmed from me. But he didn't do that. So don't be grieved. Don't, don't be angry with yourselves. He says, this, this is all right. How do I know that I've truly forgiven? Number three, true forgiveness continually. Everybody say continually. Releases the offender from their obligation. Continually. Jacob comes to the age of 147 years old. Guess what? Daddy's dying. And guess what the brothers are thinking? Joseph's just been good to us all this time because daddy's still been alive. He didn't want to bring down his gray hairs. So he's just been, you know, hobnobbing with us and rubbing shoulders. Everything's fine. And well, just all for the sake of dad. But dad is dying. And whenever dad dies, Joseph is going to take a great revenge. They was worried that now there was going to come great punishment. From Joseph, now that dad is dead, the boom is going to be lowered. But the Bible says quite differently in Genesis 50 and verse 19. And Joseph said unto them, he says, fear not. This is the continual release I'm talking about. He says, fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it to good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now, therefore, fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly to them. He had already already pacified that and approached that before when he revealed himself to them. Don't grieve. Everything's okay. Let go of that sorrow. But that arose again in their life that this is going to be problematic. You know, rather than him going along with that, you know, maybe it hit him just wrong. You know, yeah, that was, you know, remember. No, 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 he didn't do that. He pacified it all again. He said, it's all right. That's back then. That's so many years ago. Don't worry about it. We're good at keeping tally. Humanity's husband wives are good at keeping tally. I dare to say we're all good at keeping tally. Because the moment there's an offense from the same person, what do we do? We bring up our logbook of all the other times they offended us. And each one gets harder to deal with. Why? Because we call back to, remem- to memory all the others. A lot of times it's not based upon that solitary moment. It's based upon the moments prior to. Now, I'm, I'll end very quickly. My time is up. Forgiveness isn't about the words you say giving forgiveness it's not about the words you say giving forgiveness is really about your heart because there could be some people that can flower the words just right but their heart 
there's still bitterness there. Mm -hmm. There's still vengeance there. So it's not really all summed up in what is spoken in return. It's all about the condition of their heart. And forgiveness, folks, undoubtedly needs to be, needs to be a lifestyle. I would hope that somewhere along the line in life, and I know it was something we'll struggle with till the day we die, but hopefully it becomes easier, easier to forgive. Easier to forgive. If you'll stand with me tonight. So here's, here's the deal. You can give forgiveness but a person won't receive the forgiveness unless they admit they're in a position where they need forgiveness on the same token a person may ask forgiveness and a person may not be willing to give it but there's something you must understand again it's not in the words it's in the heart there's sometime a person could have offered forgiveness to you between them and God that may never be given to you personally. That's hard to deal with because we got to have gratification of words. We have, we do. Amen. Let's bow our heads tonight. Brother Mason's going to play. I'm asking everybody. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you, and have a blessed day.